All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a June 13th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Yaremchuk and Chris Gear with you for 30 minutes of straight hockey talk. And we finally know the Stanley Cup final matchup. Chris, Frank Saravalli, he's high in the sky flying to cover it. The two of us, well, we just get to talk about it from our home offices. But not bad because this should be an excellent matchup. Yeah, I mean, what more could you ask for, Tyler, than the two-time Stanley Cup champion Lightning going against a team from the Western Conference that basically led that conference from start to finish, uh, was dominating all year. This is what you want to see in the end, right? At the end of the day, you want to see the two teams who probably are the best teams. I know Florida won the President's Trophy, but but these are the two teams that uh, at least I picked to get to the final. I know some of my uh, daily face-off uh, friends, including you, you know, maybe picked some other teams, but uh, but I, I think this is going to be a great final. You've got stars on both sides. You've got storylines on both sides. It's it's, it's going to be outstanding theater. I had Colorado and the Rangers as my pick, so I was so close, so close, two wins away from nailing it. Uh, we have a yeah. ton of offseason talk, but first, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into just how the Tampa Bay Lightning got here. And they were down 2 nothing to the New York Rangers, and people started to wonder, okay, have they figured something out here? Are the Rangers maybe a bad matchup for the Lightning? Well, New York scored six goals in the series opener. In the last four games, they only scored five. Tampa Bay just clamps it down. They play that hard system. They're so dedicated to that John Cooper system as well. They only allowed 46 shots on goal in the last two games combined, Chris. It just really felt like Tampa Bay went down 2 nothing. 
kind of looked around and said, okay, enough of this nonsense. And then they took over. Yeah, it's incredible. And remember in game three, the Rangers were up two nothing in that series too, right? And they just couldn't, they just couldn't step on Tampa's throat and, and get that stranglehold. So yeah, you knew that Tampa, you let them hang around long enough. They're, they're going to, they're going to do that to you, right? They, they, they can paralyze you with that system, but they've also got so many game breaking players. So it was only a matter of time. You saw them do that in Toronto too. They kept getting down to the Leafs and then it seemed like just by sheer force of will, they would, they would just clamp down and, and win, right? They've got so much experience. Uh, Vasilevsky is, you know, if he, if he's not the best, it's, it's clearly, you know, him or Shesterkin. These two guys are phenomenal. Um, so when you have a guy like that, the team always plays with confidence. They know they're going to get the backstop uh, from Vasilevsky. So, you know, they, they can play that system, wait for their opportunities, and then pounce on those opportunities when they get them because they have those elite scorers. I also think Tampa did a really good job at the deadline, like they always do, bringing in Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul. Uh, you know, in past years, it was Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, guys like that. But guys that, that can anchor a, a third line and really give you solid minutes and, and play the right system, but can also, you know, pop in a goal or two at a timely moment. Yeah, you talk about that system. Like, again, the fact they only allowed 46 shots on goal in the last six periods of this series combined, they barely give up chances. And when they do, well, I mean, you can maybe say he's one of the top two goalies right now in the NHL. I think you can make the argument he's a top three goalie all time in the NHL and maybe the best ever if he wins another ring and potentially gets another con Smythe. And that's something we'll be talking about a little bit later on in the week as well. But it just feels like they, they're all, they never break. They bend a little. And even when they bend, Vasilevsky's just there to stand tall. On the flip side, quickly for the Rangers, you talked about the impactful ads at the deadline for the Lightning. You know, I wonder if the Rangers are sitting there maybe kicking themselves. We always heard like, oh, Capo Caco is one of the pieces they won't trade for a guy like JT Miller. He's scratched in the last game. And maybe you sit there and go, ah, were the Rangers one piece away or is this still a successful year for them? Oh, I think this is very much still a successful year for them. You know, remember that letter that they sent to their fans uh, telling them that they were going to start tearing it down and building back up. That was only four years ago. So for the Rangers to get this far, uh, I, I think it's an outstanding achievement. And as you know, I, I did an article uh, predicting that the Rangers would be next year's champion. I just think the growth from within with players like Lafreniere, uh, you know, obviously when you have Shesterkin in goal, uh, they've got some other outstanding prospects coming up the pipeline. And, and you know, they're a young team that's improving, right? You look at, you know, whether it's Fox or, you know, some of the Lindgren even got guys on their D that are young and, and still improving, uh, Braden Schneider. So the, this is a team to be reckoned with. And uh, I, I like where they're going. And I think next year they'll be, uh, they'll be definitely in the mix. But uh, yeah, this year, you know, I don't know that one more piece would have done it. Obviously Miller's a guy that, that would have helped, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Rangers should feel bad about, about how this year ended up. And they also made some news over the weekend, signing Vitaly Kravtsov to a one-year deal as well. Uh, let's dig into this matchup between the Lightning and the Avalanche a little bit more. It's the first time in NHL history, Chris, that the two teams playing in the Stanley Cup final don't end in S. I know, that's a very weird uh, thing to uh, bring up. But anyways, uh, Lightning versus Avalanche. Yeah. I tasked you with picking three potential difference makers on either side of this matchup. Who do you got? Well, I think you got to start with a couple of the big guns, uh, Nathan McKinnon on the Avalanche side and Steven Stamkos on the Tampa side. I think these are the two guys that, 
you know, regardless of what happens in this series, they're the ones that are going to have to, they're going to have the mic in their face needing to answer questions. Uh, we've seen McKinnon for years now ha- having that dejected look on his face, trying to answer what went wrong. This is, this is his opportunity to, to put, you know, past seasons and past doubts behind and really establish himself as, as one of the greats in the game. If, if they can come through with a win and beat the lightning, uh, you know, and Stan Coast on the other side, the, the leader of that team and, and just somebody that, I think needs to have a big performance in order to, to, to lead this team to victory. Uh, the next set of guys I picked are two guys that have been hugely important to their teams all year, uh, but are coming off of injuries and their status is a bit in question. And that's Braden Point for the Lightning and Nazem Kadri for the Avs. Uh, Kadri, when he first got injured, everybody thought, oh, he's done for the year. Now it seems like there's a little bit of question that he might be able to come back. So they're, they're being a little cagey. Uh, maybe that's all for show and maybe he doesn't return, but obviously he impacts the series in so many ways. If he comes back, not only with scoring, but just that gritty play, that pain in the ass, quite frankly, type of, of play that he, that style that he has. And Braden point, I mean, we know his utility to the lightning when he's in the lineup, he's constant past winner. He's, he's super dynamic. If, if he can play, that's a huge lift for the lightning. Uh, beyond that, I picked a couple of a uh, couple of guys that maybe we haven't talked about so much. Um, Alex Klorn on the Lightning. The guy does not have a goal yet. He's got uh, 35 shots on net. He's playing 20 minutes a night. He's still a big contributor to the Lightning in the way he does everything well. But uh, I look for a guy like him to maybe break out and have a couple of big goals in this series. And then... Uh, for the Avs, I picked Arturi Lekkinen. He's a guy that has had big goals in the playoffs already. I just think he's, uh, I mean, what a great ad at the deadline he was. I think he's a guy that um, will excel in, these, in this series. He can, uh, his defensive side of the game is going to be needed against some of these lightning uh, weapons. And I think he uh, he can have some timely goals as well. So those are the six people that I I picked as a uh, potential keys to the series. Any, anyone else uh, you think needs to be there? Well, I like the the mention of Lekkonen and his defensive play, because I think the Avs as a whole are going to have to be very good defensively. We even saw, even though they swept Edmonton, there were games where it was high scoring. It was back and forth. And, you know, you're not playing Mike Smith anymore. You're playing Andre Vasilevsky. You're going to have to win some low scoring games. And a big part of that is not just your goaltending, but how you defend this high octane lightning team as well. You mentioned Braden Point, like, that's a guy Frank Saravalli was reporting. He almost played game six of that series against the New York Rangers. It sounds like he's ready to go. The Lightning are getting their number one centerman back in the lineup here, and that could be huge. And obviously, the other big thing is goaltending, but we'll dig into that a little bit tomorrow when Mike McKenna is on the show with a new edition of the Blue Paint. Uh, let's move along to a little bit of offseason talk here because for 30 other fan bases, it is, uh, it is not hockey time. It's time to talk about how you're going to build for next season to hopefully be in the spot that the Lightning and Avs are. The negotiator, you you drilled down on this, Philip Forsberg's next contract. Now, what we heard out of Nashville is that they don't want to pay him more than the $9 million AAV that Roman Yossi has. Is Forsberg worth more than that on the open market to you? I think it's close. I think he's right in and around there. And there probably is a team willing to pay above that. You know, maybe a a, a 9.5, something similar to... Uh, Jamie Ben or to um, oh, it's escaping me. Uh, Mark Stone. Lincoln. Uh, oh, come on. Guys. There we go. Yeah. 
both those guys got uh, got nine five. Um, the advantage that the the Preds have is they can go eight years. Any other team can only offer a seven year deal, so more total dollars can be put together here by the Preds. Um, the Preds have lots of cap space. They they have the cap space that if they want to spend the money on Philip Forsberg, uh, they can. Uh, you look at that board there. Uh, not too many guys uh, to sign, and then you know thinking long term. You got Tanner Janot coming up, who's going to earn some money, but but they've got they've got plenty of money. So the question is, do they want to exceed their internal cap, which obviously is Yossi at nine point oh six? You know they they've already got uh, Ryan Johansson and um, Duchesne at uh, eight million. So you know I think easily Forsberg slots in between those, if not. If not slightly above Yossi, so you know I, I'd expect them to be in and around nine. Um, you know, I don't think they can they can just say it's it's Yossi's Yossi's deal or below or we'll lose you. Um, you know, I think even if they were to sign Forsberg above that and then decide that that they need to move him, there's going to be there's going to be a market for uh, a trade market for Forsberg. But obviously, he'll want some if he, if he does stay in Nashville, he'll want some no trade protection and things like that can be can be part of what moves the AAV, right? So if they're willing to give him full no move and he's happy in Nashville and his family's happy in Nashville, you know, that that can be something that uh, that helps keep that AAV down. But, you know, clearly we're looking at a number above eight and um, probably somewhere between eight and 9.5, depending on the term and, and the no move factors and things like that. But if I'm Forsberg, I'm, I'm looking around regardless just to see what that market is. I mean, maybe there's someone out there that'll pay him 10. Who knows? Yeah. And I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is the tax situation in Nashville as well, right? Like if, if the Preds come at you at nine, you think market value is 9.5, but you get that from a city where the tax situation isn't as good. If you're Forsberg, do you sit there and kind of say, hey, well, you know, I'm comfortable in Nashville. I like it here. The tax situation's better. 500k a year well that doesn't even really matter when you consider what i'd be losing in taxes as well i i just look at this and he's a play driving winger who has consistently produced throughout his career if you're the nashville predators and you if you lose forsberg you need to replace him but there's no guarantee that the replacement is as good as forsberg is like you know what you have here just pay the guy in my opinion i agree 100 i don't know how they go about replacing him if they don't sign him um, you know, obviously that just that knowledge gives Forsberg some leverage, but you know, at the same time, it, they, I think they, they really have to pull out all the stops to keep him. He's like you said, play driver. He's, he really drives the bus in, uh, in Nashville and it'd be a shame if they let him go. Yeah. Um, let's move along to the coast. Now the New York Islanders for our down and out series, continuing that today. And they do have a new coach, but when you look at this roster and how they could potentially change it up, there's really not a lot of openings here. Like it feels like it'll take a hockey trade for them to make any sort of significant moves. You look at their UFAs, it's three defensemen who basically played on the bottom pairing all season and two older guys in Char and Green, who you would imagine they're letting walk. The RFAs, you know, Noah Dobson's the big one. And if they decide to go long term with him, you would imagine that eats up a good amount of their $12 million in cap space. 
But it really does feel like if they want to change the identity of this team and get into a playoff spot next season, they're maybe going to have to shake up their core a little bit. And that might be moving on from a guy like Anthony Bavillier or even a Josh Bailey type and trying to just get some fresh blood somewhere in this lineup. If you were in charge of the Islanders per se, Chris, what would sort of be your offseason checklist? What do you think they need to do to compete next season? Yeah, you know, the, the Islanders, you look at the Islanders and they've got almost all of their core, almost all of their players signed, right? They really, they yeah. could take the approach that, hey, we had a bad year. We started on the road for 15 games. Uh, we're going to be better next year. Let's let's roll with the same guys. We'll sign Dobson and, and done. We'll kick up our feet for the rest of the offseason. I don't think they're going to do that. It's it's something they could do. They don't, they don't actually have a lot of guys to sign. But when you look at the Islanders roster, one thing that, that strikes you is they are old uh, and they are, they are locked into long-term deals. Guys like, you know, Anders Lee and Sezikis and all these guys that have Bailey, they, they've got four or five, six years left on their deals. And these are not going to age well with guys that are already 31, 32, 33. So I think you have to start, you know, you mentioned Bovillier, he, he's 25. So he and Barzell are kind of the young, the young guns on that core. And so if you can start to move maybe one of these older pieces, uh, it's obviously hard with the term they've given out. They might have to stick with them. But, uh, you know, I, I think they have to be really creative and, and try to shake up this, this core a little bit because, you know, clearly just expecting that next year will be better. Uh, even though the, the team was better in the second half of the season, just expecting that to continue um, with guys getting older, I, I'm not convinced that's the strategy. So, you know, getting getting Dobson, um, the, their D is still relatively young with with Pelek, Pollock, and um, and Dobson. Um, but yeah, I think if if there's a way to move, you know, some of those contracts that are that are aging and, and that are long term, uh, I would look to try and do that. Yeah, like I don't think they're going to be able to move a Peugeot or anything like that or a Kyle Palmieri. They're just they're signed for too long at too big of money for the players that they are now. But that's why I kind of brought up Josh Bailey as an option where you know you need to inject some youth into this lineup. Bailey has value. You can maybe ship him to a contender, use the money you save and go out and get someone young in this lineup. You need to try just revive things a little bit. The big question I have, if you're trying to get, you know, younger and faster, is that in Lou Lamorello's DNA as a GM to go out and do that? Or is he the kind who's just going to say, nope, we run it back with what he have? Like, is he going to be a little stubborn? And could that be their downfall ultimately? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you saw with the signings of, of Palmieri, um, you know, you're like, you know, why, why go down that road again? Not that, not that Kyle Palmieri is not a good player, but, you know, it just seemed like it, it was more of the same versus that, that youth injection that you're talking about. So yeah, I don't know if that's in Lou's DNA or not, but at some point they've yep. got to turn the page on some of these guys. And I think you're right. Bailey's probably a good candidate there. It's um, somebody with enough value that that could probably bring back, um, you know, something that is younger and more of a building block for the Islanders. So it's, uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, I, I think the Islanders could be better if they just rolled out the same lineup. But again, it's not going to get them to where they ultimately want to be, which is you know, perennial competitor. I think, I think they're on the way down, unfortunately. And so they do need to, uh, to shake things up. Glass half full would say, Hey, they finished ninth in the conference, one spot out of the playoffs. Glass half empty would go, ah, you were still 16 points back of the Washington Capitals and the East looks like it's going to be wildly competitive again next season. Uh, let's continue the off season talk with a new edition of icebreakers. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Another edition of Icebreakers delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. And usually, Chris, it's Frank Saravalli, the insider who's here to give us all the knowledge, but... He's gone. He's on his way to Colorado to cover the cup final. So we're the insiders today. We get to talk about what we want. Uh, but Frank does have his new buyout list up at dailyfaceoff.com. 10 candidates who uh, he thinks could be bought out this summer. I want to pick your brain a little bit for some front office thoughts on this. Uh, is a buyout always considered sort of the last resort? And kind of what other routes are kicked around a front office when you're looking at trying to get rid of a contract that you don't like anymore? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two different lenses they have to look at this with. Sometimes there's an ownership lens where they just want to save the money, right? Because a buyout, you get you can pay the guy two thirds of the actual cash value if he's over 26, or one third if he's under 26. And sometimes you know ownership just wants to to save that money. Uh, and then from a GM lens, if you do the buyout, you're stuck with that dead cap for a player that's no longer on your roster. And you know so. I think from the management perspective, you want to avoid that at all costs if possible. So there's a couple of other options you have. One is, you know, if you, if you can move the player and maybe, you know, dangle an asset uh, prospect or a pick, you know, wrap that around the guy's neck and send him the other way uh, to a team that's looking to, you know, acquire those assets that might be attractive. And if, if the, if it's only a, a buyout for one year or even two years, Another team that's that's not in the go for it stage might be willing to do that to to recoup the asset. So as long as the asset value isn't too significant, if it's a fourth or fifth pick, and you can you can move the guy that way, I think that's always tempting instead of having that dead cap. The other thing is is you can put a guy in the AHL, and there's a savings to the team of I think the number is one point one two five, and it, it kind of goes up every year a little bit, but. Uh, it's the amount that you can bury and not have hit your NHL cap. So in some cases, when you're evaluating the buyout versus burying a guy in the NHL, those numbers after you deduct the savings can be pretty close. And so, you know, in those cases, I think putting the, the player in the AHL and taking that charge because it only hits in that year. The mold 
best option and and you just have to endure that pain in order to uh you know maximize your cap space in in the particular year especially when you're at a if you're a team that's that's sort of in the mix and a contender and you just need a little bit more cap space uh you're willing to push your problems down the road a little bit to uh maximize your space in the current year so let's take a look at the top five that Frank outlined over at the site. And I want to start with number one here, Zach Cassian. He's got two more years left at a $3.2 million AAV. If the Oilers were to buy him out this year, well, that number would drop to just 660 k meaning they would save over $2.5 million this season. They would then save $1.4 million the year after. And then they'd have to endure two years of a $960,000 cap penalty, you can call it. Uh, I, I think this is... Cassian's number one for a reason. I think this makes a ton of sense for the Edmonton Oilers. You're a team who has three pending RFAs and Ryan McLeod, Yessa Puliarvi, and Kyler Yamamoto. If you want to sign those three and bring back Brett Kulak, who is probably their best defenseman in the playoffs, and if Mike Smith goes, you need a new goalie, and you maybe want to look at signing Evander Kane or finding a way to replace his production... Okay, well, I just counted off six things you need to do with $7 million, right? Or sorry, about $11 million with Clefbaum on LTIR right now. You might need to sacrifice the overpaid bottom six winger, even if you like his intangibles and you like Cassian in the room, you like his physical edge. He scored a couple of big goals in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's a useless player at all, but he's grossly overpaid for a guy who's likely going to sit on your fourth line next season. I think this is kind of a no brainer for the Oilers if you can't find a team to take his deal. Yeah, I think you're right, Tyler. And, and the big the, the big if there is if you can't find a team, and and you mentioned Cassian still has some utility. So for a team that, again, we talked about it before, for a team that isn't going for it and has the cap space and can take on a three point two million dollar cap hit, you know, if you can give them an asset um, for that, then you save the full three point two, right? And um, but the fact that it's only you know nine hundred and change, it's basically an entry level contract in the first year. Uh, two entry level contracts in the second year, and then back to kind of a league minimum third and fourth year. It's not, it's not that bad, right? You could look at that and say, Hey, that's, that gives us savings in each of the next two years. And we'll worry about years three and four down the road. Uh, I still think Cassian has some value and, and, and could be, could be traded. Um, but if at the end of the day, they can't find a home for him, then, then yeah, you're right. It's on here for a reason because the, the mathematics of it do make sense. Matt Murray, Mark Edward Velasic, who we might talk about in a second, Scandella and Jason Dickinson are in the top five. Is there another name in the top 10, though, who really caught your attention, Chris? Yes, and it's uh, Philippe Myers. And the reason, so let's just look bring up his cap here. There is a $617,000 credit against the cap in that first year. And this is, uh, so in, in real dollars, his buyout is 1.2 million. So a team's gonna have to pay 1.2 million of, of real dollars over those first uh, two years. But the cap charge is different. And because of the way his contract was structured, he was paid uh, something like 1.2 million in the first year, 2.5 in the second, and 3.8 is what's scheduled to be paid this year. The league, this, the cap calculations basically look at it as, you already suffered the cap consequence of a higher cap versus his salary in year one. So now in year three, you actually get the benefit of a cap that's lower than the salary. So it's a mathematical calculation, but at the end of the day, it results in a cap credit in that first year. So if you're a team that's looking and that's desperate for cap space, uh, you might want to trade for Philippe Myers and buy him out yourself 
and then you get that credit. You still have the charge in year two, but you know if, if this is the year when you really need that savings, then uh, pretty attractive piece to go and acquire. Yeah. Yeah, it would be really, really interesting. There'd definitely be a contender or two out there who sits there and goes, yeah, the cap charge in two years, yeah, we'll deal with that when we get there. We'd love an extra 600K to make some moves right now. Another name quickly before we flip to Vlasic, Patrick Nemeth, number nine on the list. That was a guy there, when you look at the $2.5 million AAV and the fact you'd only save one and a half million this year, he feels like one of those candidates, Chris, who just bury him instead of buying him out, right? I think so, right? You, you get the one point. 125 or whatever that number is, close to 1.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get that off your books, and that's going to be almost the same as the cap charge from a buyout. So yep. I think you do the analysis, and if you're if you're a couple of grand, a couple of hundred grand either way, uh, I think it makes more sense to to bury the player and and not have the multiple years of cap charges that a buyout entails. Uh, just quickly to wrap this up, Mark Edward Velasquez, if we could flip back to him, it's definitely the most egregious buyout on this list. I mean, it's 3.7, 1.4, 4.2, 5.2, and then four more years of $1.7 million in dead money. I get he's 35 years old. I get he's not the defenseman he used to be. But I mean, even if you just wait one more year, grind it out with Velasquez on your third pairing, at least it would cut down the amount of dead money by a couple of seasons if you bought him out. Next year, I just, man, it, that, that's a stunning buyout. And I just can't see a way in which San Jose does that and then continues to build a team that's competitive. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you, you get an egregious buyout when you hand out an egregious contract. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think Vlasic was just, and, and San Jose's done it with, with a couple of their defensemen where they were too old to be giving an eight-year deal. Um, you know, it's, that's the consequences. You get to a stage where, you have to look at this scenario where you either buy them out or, or you have to live with this huge cap inefficiency. Um, but having a cap charge for eight years, like that just, to me, that doesn't make any sense. So if you can squeeze a little more juice out of them this year and then have only six years or play them for two years and then only have four years on the books, like I, there's, there's gotta be a way to, to minimize that. It's, uh, it's just too long to have to deal with the pain of your mistake. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one regardless of how they proceed with him. But but eight years and and it's not just eight years. A couple of those years is, you know, 4.2, 5.2. It's a little bit like the Parisian suitor buyouts in Minnesota that, are, that we've talked about ad nauseum that are going to cause such grief for them. Um, you know, you have buyouts this significant and it's it's really, really hard to construct your way out of them. Chris, I view buyouts as going out for drinks with your buddies. In the moment, it's great. You slam 100 beers. You're having a good time. You're living it up. It's the next morning, Chris. It's the next morning that always gets you. That's a perfect analogy. Uh, that's going to do it for another edition of Icebreakers delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Promo code DFODD and DFODDUS gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Shout out to DoorDash. Let's move along with our daily face-off inbox question. You can send them in with the hashtag AskDFO. And Chris, we're going to continue a little Stanley Cup preview here. And I'm going to ask you the question, who is the most dynamic offensive threat in this Stanley Cup final? 
This is a really interesting question. Uh, there's probably three guys to choose from, maybe four. Uh, I'm going to go with Nikita Kucherov. I just think he is so slippery. His vision on the ice is amazing. The way he finds his teammates, uh, you know, and and just his the skating ability combined with his deking ability uh, and the way he finds his teammates. I, I just think he's. He's probably there. I, th- I think Nathan McKinnon is a more dominant player just with his speed and power. Um, but in terms of being more dynamic, it's probably between Kucherov and Kale McCarr. And I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Kucherov. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Kale McCarr actually. And there's, I, I wanted to go McKinnon because of, you know, what he can do off the rush, how good his shot is and things like that. But I also look at Kale McCarr as a guy who he can spark the offense from literally any spot on the ice if he's behind his own goal line he can either just take it himself he can send a stretch pass to the other blue line and spring a guy on the breakaway when he's in the offensive zone he can do it with his shot we've seen that throughout the playoffs he can do it by dishing off a puck he can even create offense just by standing at the blue line without the puck serving as a bit of a distraction i think kale mccarr could potentially hold the cards to the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup with his offensive play. Going to continue the Stanley Cup talk with another edition of our Daily Bet segment, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet Canada. They have odds up for the series. So let's jump and dig into that a little bit. And honestly, I was surprised when I saw the series line set at where where it was. You can see it at the bottom there. The Avs are minus 180 to win the Stanley Cup. The Lightning are plus 150. And I look at sort of the key matchups in this thing. You know, the offense is probably pretty even, although the Avs might not get back Kadri and the Lightning are getting back their number one center in Braden Point. When I look at the blue line, the Avs have a very good blue line, but so do the Lightning. Ryan McDonough, Victor Hedman, go down the list. Mikhail Sergachev, they have a lot of quality pieces on that back end. And between the pipes, well, that's the one area where it's a clear advantage for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Vasilevsky versus either Kemper or Fransuz. Give me Vasilevsky every day of the week. So I, the only reason I'm pausing a little bit and not going as hard on this lightning number as I maybe would like is because I think game one with the altitude in Colorado, I think that might lead to Tampa Bay dropping the first game of the series. And if they do, you're probably going to see this series price shift all the way down to like plus 225 even. So I want to wait until after game one. If the lightning win, you're probably still getting them at even money. And that's a good spot. If they lose, though, you're going to see this price shoot down similar to the way it did when they lost game one against the New York Rangers. So I don't think this is set right right now. I'm putting a little bit on the Lightning to win the series, but I'm saving just a little bit of that bankroll so I can go heavy on them if slash, you know, hopefully when they lose game one of this series. It was actually interesting, Chris. Um, We had Matt Calvert on the DFO rundown earlier today, a new episode out now wherever you get your podcast from. And he talked about how that altitude thing, it's legit and it could play a factor early in game one of that series. So that's kind of the reason I think, again, early on, Tampa Bay seems to never start series well but I think they're going to finish this one well. Well, you know, I, I have the avalanche in this. I picked them at the start of the playoffs, so I'm not going to deviate now. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about the altitude angle, but, you know, the way the Avs skate, like, it's not surprising that, I mean, they tire teams out even without altitude. So you add the, you add the altitude and, and the way they, uh, their speed and their constant forechecking, I could see how that would be a factor. So, yeah, it's, I think this goes seven. This this series could go either way, but um, I, I think it's the Avs' time. I think uh, Tampa's, Tampa's had their day, and uh, they could easily win this series, but I'm, I'm going with the Avs. 
It would be great to see a new champion crowned in the NHL. Let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. Chris, what do you got for me? Well, there was uh, something a little quirky that happened uh, in the last, uh, I guess it was in the last week, where the Minnesota Wild are being awarded a compensatory second round draft pick because they chose not to sign their first round draft pick from a couple of years ago, Philip Johansson. So there is a, a provision in the CBA that says if you lose the rights to a first round draft pick, either because that player becomes eligible for the draft again, or becomes a UFA, or dies, that you get compensated with a second round pick. Now, I think the origin of the rule was, you know, maybe like an Eric Lindros situation. You have a first round pick and the guy just says, nope, I'm not playing for you. Uh, or, you know, the death scenario also makes sense to me where, mm-hmm. you know, through no fault of your own, you can't sign this player. Now, the situation in Minnesota is that they just didn't want to sign the guy. They watched him for four years. They gave him his bona fide offer, which is no player ever signs that. It's basically a, the minimum, minimum possible you can offer um, just to hold his rights and make sure that they had done the bare minimum. But then they just decide not to, to sign him and they get a second round pick. It's almost like a do-over. Um, so I just don't think a team should be rewarded for, you know, drafting a player, maybe, maybe incorrectly or, or a player that yeah. I'm, I'm sure lots of teams saw something in him initially, but at the end of the day, you make a bad pick, uh, however that happens. And then this rule results in them getting a do-over. I don't like it. I don't think it was ever intended to work that way. And um, maybe it's something that the, the league and the PA will clean up in the next uh, CBA. But just uh, an interesting quirk. I'd never seen it before. I actually didn't know the rule existed until I heard they were getting that, that compensatory pick. Yeah, it's super weird because I, I was thinking of it from the angle of if they went and traded this prospect right now, would anyone offer them a late second round pick? And it's like, no, no way. No one would offer that. You'd be getting fifth and sixth round offers. So maybe it's a situation where you're going to move that pick back or something. But you're right. It is a bit of an odd one that unfolded in Minnesota. And I mean, I'm sure if you're the wild and you're not going to complain about it, then there's probably a reason why they decided to take advantage of this loophole. Uh, Chris, that's going to do it for another fantastic edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. We are out of time. The horn has gone, but we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis. We'll be back noon Eastern tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.